ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger we would like to continue this evening I think in this the eighth lecture in this series concerning the explanation of Al-Aqeedah Al-Tahawiyyah by Imam Abu Ja'fa Al-Tahawi and uh, with reading from the brief simplified explanation of Dr. Muhammad Ibn Abdurrahman Al-Qumis the Sharh Al-Aqeedah Al-Tahawiyya Al-Muyassir and uh, from time to time insha'Allah mentioning some of the commentary of uh, the contemporary scholars Shaykh Abdulaziz Ibn Abdullah Ibn Baz Hafidahullah and Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin Al-Albani Hafidahullah may Allah protect them Last week we discussed a number of points starting from point number 26 uh, at least just as a refresher so that um, we continue with the line of thought quickly mentioning those points which we discussed last week Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah he says وَهُوَ يعني referring to Allah وَهُوَ مُتَعَالٍ عَنَ الْأَرْضُدَادِ وَالْأَنْدَادِ that Allah is high above far removed and free from having any al-dadad yani any opposition or those who may oppose him or conflict with him and and likewise from having any andad any nid or anyone that is equal to him similar to him or otherwise and then he mentioned yani that this is in reference yani that Allah doesn't have any uh, one to oppose him in his ruling and judgment and yani, maintaining his uh, sovereignty of the universe no one can uh, reject that which he has judged or conflict with it, oppose it or refuse it and that there is no one equal to him in his authority in these matters or his power in these matters as well there is no one equal to him or nothing equal to him in his asma wa sifat in his names and characteristics uh, and in his right to be worshipped and so on then uh, he mentioned the next point وَلَا رَادَ لِقَضَائِهِ وَلَا مُعَقِّبْ لِحُكْمِهِ وَلَا غَالِبْ لِأَمْرِهِ which is basically what we just mentioned that there is no one who can uh, repel or push back that which Allah has decreed nor can anyone delay or postpone his rulings or judgments nor can anyone overpower or predominate uh, or dominate 
or overcome his command. Then he said, point number 28, that we believe or have faith in all of that. And we are certain, with total certainty, that everything is from Allah, yani that all of the affair is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we went to a new topic, and that was the continuation of the topic uh, of Tawheed and Al-Qadr Al-Qadr. And then uh, we discussed last week also the Prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in which Al-Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah said, وَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدَهُ الْمُصْطَفَى That verily, certainly, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the slave servant of Allah al-Mustafa, the chosen slave servant of Allah. وَنَبِيَّهُ الْمُجْتَبَى And he is also his prophet that he has selected. وَرَسُولَهُ الْمُرْتَبَى And he is his messenger with whom he is pleased. Then he said, point number 29, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَهُوَ أَشْهُرْ أَسْمَائِهِ That this is the most famous of his names. يعني أسمائه الشريفة His noble uh, names وذلك عفوا um, This is uh, نعم The explanation of uh, that Anyway he went on to discuss the names of the Prophet وسلم, And his lineage His tribal lineage And يعني, their place amongst the Arabs As being يعني, a, uh, Having high status amongst the other tribes of the Arabs and their long uh, tracing their background back to uh, the Prophet Ibrahim السلام, and he also discussed the importance of this characteristic of Ubudiyah slavery or servitude that this was one of the characteristics that was a characteristic of honor which the Prophet وسلم, was given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he used to that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala referred to his prophet and messenger as his abd, his slave servant in the most important uh, places where he is mentioned in the Quran then he says وَأَنَّهُ خَاتِمْ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ and verily that he Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the seal of the prophets the last of them, no one to come after him وَإِمَامُ الْأَتْقِيَاءِ and he is the leader, the imam of the people of taqwa, of the people of piety and righteousness, those who have fear of Allah, was Sayyid al Mursaleen, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the master or the leader of the messengers. He is the leader of the messengers, the other messengers who were sent by Allah before him. Alayhi salatu wasalam, may peace be upon them all. Wahhabibu Rabbil Alameen and he is the beloved of the Lord of the world and the scholars uh, commented on this uh, characteristic or this name that was here mentioned by Imam Al-Tahawi that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the messenger of Allah is the Habib of Allah and uh, Shaykh al-Albani commented on this saying that in fact the more proper title that should be given to him which is greater than Habib is Khalil Khalil and that this was a title not only given to the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam but also it was given to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it is 
And Shaykh al-Albani mentioned uh, here the hadith, the authentic hadith in which he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اِتَّخَذَنِي خَلِيلًا كَمَا اِتَّخَذَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا That Allah has taken me as his khalil, his very very close uh, friend, as he has taken the Prophet Ibrahim as his khalil. And finally, I think the last point, no, next to the last point, point 31, وَكُلُّ دَعَوَ النُّبُوَّةِ بَعْدَهُ فَغَيٌّ يعني that every claim, anyone who makes a claim for himself or for someone else to having prophethood after the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu then this is يعني only from their desires. It isn't anything based on fact or truth. وَهُوَ هَوَى يعني it is a deviation and it is only their desires that they are following in making such a claim for themselves or for anyone else. And since Allah confirmed and the Prophet ﷺ made it clear in authentic hadith that he is the Khatim al-Anbiya, the seal of the Prophet, then there is no way that a Prophet could come after him. And we also mentioned here the comments of Shaykh al-Albani concerning the Qadiyani uh, Ghulam Ahmed who claimed to be a Prophet after Muhammad ﷺ and the falsehood of his claim was made clear in his lifetime. And the last point uh, al-Imam al-Tahawi mentions here about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his prophethood وَهُوَ الْمَبْعُوثُ إِلَىٰ عَامَةِ الْجِنِّ that he is missioned or sent to all of the jinn in general وَكَافَةِ الْوَرَىٰ and all of humanity he is sent to the jinn and all of men بِالْحَقِّ وَالْهُدَىٰ وَبِالنُّورِ وَالْضِيَىٰ he has been sent with the haqq, the truth and the huda, the guidance and the nur and the diya, that is the Qur'an, the light, or the guidance of the Qur'an, and along with it, that which accompanies it and complements it, the sunnah. This is what we mentioned last week, and uh, tonight, Dezunillahi Ta'ala, we would like to go on and take a new topic. This is a very important topic uh, and it is related to the Qur'an. Al-Imam al-Tahawi, he says here, وَأَنَّ الْقُرْآنَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ And this is very important to note the words that he used as the scholars of Islam, the people of Sunnah and Jama'ah were very careful in selecting the words they used in Aqidah generally and especially in those issues about which there is difference of opinion. And some of those differences of opinion actually led the people out of Islam. Yeah, I mean, some of the beliefs of the people who deviated from that which is confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah, the belief that they held actually caused them to go out of Islam, to not be a Muslim, by their yeah, I mean, deviant, false interpretation and understanding that is not based on the Quran or the Sunnah or the understanding of the companions of the Messenger of Allah. And please pay attention to the translation of the book that we have. Because uh, as I mentioned last week, sometimes uh, there is some yani, unclarity in the translation. And perhaps even sometimes you can say that there are some mistakes that might give you a different understanding. He says that verily the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah, the speech of Allah. 
The Quran is the speech of Allah. Minhu bada. It appeared or became manifest. It came from Him, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself. Bila kayfiya qawlan. Yani it came from Him, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qawlan as speech. Yani as actual speech from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bila kayfiya. Without saying how exactly Allah speaks or how that speech came from Him, we don't say. وَأَنزَلَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ وَحْيًا وَصَدَّقَهُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ حَقًّا وَأَيْقَنُوا أَنَّهُ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَىٰ بِالْحَقِيقَةِ لَيْسَ بِمَخْلُوقِ كَكَلَامِ الْبَرِّيَّةِ وَأَنزَلَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ وَحْيًا يعني that the Quran is the speech of Allah it appeared from Allah it came from him as speech without saying how he revealed it on his messenger as wahi revelation and he revealed it through the angel Jibril to the heart of the Prophet as revelation and the believers affirmed and confirmed this as being truth without doubt that it is a fact and they were certain without any doubt yakin that this Quran is indeed the speech of Allah in reality and here he says the important words that we found all of the scholars mentioning along with the statement that Quran is the kalam of Allah it is the speech of Allah he adds to that that this Quran is not created it is not something created and this is very important because this is one of the points or the main point that the people deviated on he said that it is not created like the speech of the creatures the human beings or otherwise the speech of human beings is created the human being is created and his speech is created. But the speech of Allah, Allah Himself is not created and His speech is not created. فَمَنْ سَمِعَهُ فَزَعَمَ أَنَّهُ كَلَامُ الْبَشَرِ فَقَدْ كَفَرُ This is very strong language and the scholars are in agreement upon this. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, his book Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah has been accepted by the overwhelming majority of Muslims in the world, wherever they may be, regardless of their madhab in fiqh and regardless of their madhab in aqidah even his book has been accepted and he says that whoever فَمَنْ سَمِعَهُ whoever heard this Qur'an فَزَعْمَ أَنَّهُ كَلَامُ الْبَشَرِ and claims that it is the speech of human beings فَقَدْ كَفَرْ then he has definitely become a disbeliever the person who makes such a claim they have become a disbeliever because it's the speech of Allah and nothing of Allah is created Nothing of Allah is created. وَقَدْ ذَمَّهُ اللَّهُ وَعَابَهُ وَعَوَعَدَهُ بِالسَّقْرِ And Allah has blamed him and censured him and criticized him وَعَوَعَدَهُ بِالسَّقْرِ And Allah has threatened the one who makes such a claim that the Qur'an is created, that it is the speech of human beings, Allah has threatened them بِالسَّقْرِ with hellfire. حَيْثُ قَالَ تَعَالَى Where Allah 
the Most High says سَأُسْلِيهِ سَقَرْ that soon I will throw him in the fire this is the threat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whoever claims or who makes such a claim then Imam al-Tahawi makes the argument which is very clear here for whoever يعني, will just reflect a little on the words of the Quran فَلَمَّا عَوَعَدَ اللَّهُ بِسَكَرِ لِمَنْ قَالَ إِنَّ هَذَا إِلَّا قَوْلُ الْبَشَرِ عَلِمْنَا وَأَيْقَنَّا أَنَّهُ قَوْلُ خَالِقُ الْبَشَرِ وَلَا يُشْبِهُ قَوْلُ الْبَشَرِ يعني when Allah threatened with the hellfire the one who says إن هذا إلا أو إن هذا إلا قول البشر يعني that verily this is nothing more than the speech of a human being whoever said such as they said in the time of the Prophet they claimed that he didn't receive revelation but in fact that it was someone who was teaching him this stuff who was giving it to him and he was just repeating what he had heard so here Al-Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah says that when Allah threatened with the hellfire the one who says in hadha illa qawlul bashar that this is no more than the speech of a human being from that threat for the one who makes such a statement we came to know and we are certain that the Quran then if Allah threatened the one who said that it is yani this is only the speech of human being and Allah threatened them with the hellfire for such a statement only for saying it then we came to know for sure that this is the speech of the creator of the Bashar, the Khaliq al-Bashar, the creator of the human beings and the creator of everything وَلَا يُشْبِهُ قَوْلَ الْبَشَرِ and it is in no way similar or like the speech of human beings the Quran is in no way like the speech of human beings and even the Orientalists and the disbelievers the enemies of Islam who studied the Quran who learned Arabic and studied the Quran all of them admit without a doubt that the Quran is different than the speech of human beings and even it has been said that some people who heard the Quran being recited by the Muslims while they were also speaking having a speech and mentioning the Quran during their speech some people who were not Arabs who didn't know Arabic noticed that there was a difference between some of the words or some of the speech of the speaker during that speech and those words which were different even noticeable to the person who doesn't know Arabic are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here the Shaykh Muhammad Al-Qumis he says that the Quran is the speech of Allah Ta'ala in reality it came from him and we do not know nor can we say how he Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala speaks but we say that for sure it is his speech that is the Quran with certainty how he speaks we don't know well kalam this speaking the characteristic of speaking it is a characteristic of perfection that is affirmed and established for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no denying that Allah speaks we affirm this as Allah has affirmed it for himself and as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has affirmed it uh, the opposite of this 
if someone claims that Allah does not speak, then this is a characteristic of imperfection. Someone who cannot speak, we say something wrong with them. They're defective. How can we say such of Allah, that Allah doesn't speak? The ability to speak is a characteristic, a praiseworthy characteristic in the creatures. So how can we deny such a characteristic in its perfect form to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? To deny it is a... يعني, is, is to attribute imperfection to Allah and Allah is free and far removed from such يعني, a claim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 164 and the ayat يعني, similar to this or proving this point are so many here he only mentioned a few that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا that Allah has spoken to Musa real speech. When he said, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ Musa," it was sufficient to understand that Allah spoke to Musa. He spoke to him. But when he added in the end of the sentence, تَكْلِيمًا in Arabic language, it is understood without a doubt that this is the affirmation without doubt that he spoke to him with real speech. وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ Musa تَكْلِيمًا with real speech. So, speech is an established and affirmed characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we affirm it for Allah in a way that is suitable and appropriate for the glory and majesty of Allah in His perfection. And in the speech of Allah is affirmed for Him, we affirm it in the way that is suitable for Allah. And no way can we uh, compare it to the speech of human beings. Because the speech of human beings is not suitable to be attributed to Allah. The speech of human beings is not perfect like the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we affirm speech for Allah. And how it is, it is in the way that is proper and suitable and appropriate and fitting for the perfection and the glory and the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Qur'an is his speech, the speech of Allah. Allah says in Surah Tawbah, chapter 9, verse 6, وَإِنْ أَحَدْ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِسْتَجَارَكَ And if any one of the mushrikeen, the pagan disbelievers, came seeking protection from you, فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ Then give him asylum, give him security, give him protection, حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ until he hears the speech of Allah. Yani Allah's speech is heard. Allah says in the Quran, give that one asylum until he hears the speech of Allah, until he knows about Islam, until he hears of the Quran. Give him a chance. Protect him. If he is in the land of the Muslims, give him protection until he hears the speech of Allah. Uh, and here, what is meant by kalamullah, hatta yasma kalamullah, what is meant here is the Qur'an. Until he hears the speech of Allah, it means until he hears the Qur'an. For it is indeed the Qur'an, it is indeed the speech of Allah in truth. He has revealed it or sent it down upon his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as revelation. It is a revelation. The believers attest, attest to its truthfulness to the truthfulness of the fact that it is the speech of Allah and it is revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They know and they are certain about this fact. 
the believers know and are certain that it is the speech of Allah. There's no doubt. Like some people, they said, I don't know. Is it the speech of Allah or not? Or I don't know. It is the speech of Allah, but I don't know if it's created or not created. No. The believer, he knows and he is certain that it is the speech of Allah and that it is not created. It is not created. Uh, he says that the believer knows and is certain that it is the speech of Allah Ta'ala in reality and that it is not created. Since uh, the sifat or the characteristics or qualities are yani connected to or follow under the same ruling as the that of Allah. Yani his sifat come under the same rules or guidelines or understanding as the that of Allah. What is the that of Allah? Nafsuhu. Yani Allah's self, His being. Just as whatever we say about Allah's being, about Him, His self, we say the same thing about His sifat. Because His sifat, His characteristics, they are connected to Him, His self. And they are not separated from Him. So if we say that Allah's that, His being, His self, is unlike the that or the that of human beings or other creatures then so also his characteristics, his sifat are unlike the sifat or the characteristics of human beings this is a basic rule that's important to understand because some of the Muslims deviated on this they said that Allah's that is different than the that of human beings Allah's being is different than human beings he's the divine being but his characteristics they didn't say the same about it but if his being is divine then his characteristics are also Divine. So here he says that uh, that this idea of the sifat uh, is yani being a branch of his that they fall under the same ruling or principle or understanding. The characteristics of Allah are with him from the beginning of time. He didn't take on characteristics as time went on, but they are with him from the beginning and they are not created. His characteristics, the characteristics of Allah are not created. The characteristics, what do we mean by characteristics? We mean that one of the characteristics of Allah is that he sees, that he hears, that he speaks, that he descends to the lowest heaven, that he ascended above his throne, that he has a face, that he has hands. All of this is confirmed in the Quran and authentic sunnah. These are the characteristics of Allah. The characteristics of his self or his actions. All of these are the characteristics of Allah. So, uh, the characteristics of Allah, they are with him from the beginning. Yani with no beginning or ending. And one of the characteristics of Allah is his speech. So also his speech is from, with him from the beginning uh, it, it, and it is not created. As for the speech of human beings, it is something that came into being, came into existence, it was created, just like the human being was created. And whoever claims that the Qur'an is the speech of human beings, then he is a disbeliever. And Allah has threatened, or Allah has promised and threatened with the fire, such a one who makes such a statement. Uh, as mentioned in Surah Al-Mudaffir إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا قَوْلُ الْبَشَرِ سَأُسْلِيهِ فَقَرِ يعني they said 
that this is only the speech of a human being, then Allah said that He will soon throw that one in the hellfire. They claimed that this was, you know, they said that the Prophet ﷺ was a magician. They claimed that he was a poet. They said he was crazy and so on. They said this is only the speech of a magician. It is the speech of a human being. And for this statement, Allah said they would be in the hellfire. This is mentioned in Surah Al Mudassir, chapter 74, uh, verse 24 through 26. So when the believers see how Allah has threatened those who make the claim that the Quran is the speech of a human being, that Allah has threatened them with a fire, then the believer came to know with all certainty that in fact the Qur'an is the speech of the creator of the human beings and there is no similarity or resemblance between the speech of Allah and the speech of the human beings in fact every characteristic or quality of Allah is different from the characteristics or qualities of the created beings just as his being the that of Allah is different from the dhawat or the beings of the human beings or his creatures. So we should keep in mind that the Quran is the speech of Allah in reality. It is not created and whoever claims that it is the speech of human beings or created speech then this is kufr, it is disbelief. Uh, actually there is uh, much discussion concerning this point I don't know how much we will be able to discuss this evening, but let us at least briefly mention something that has been said about this. Uh, one, there are some comments here. The comments are somewhat lengthy, so we will just summarize it a little bit. Uh, from Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, Hafizahullah. He says that uh, here the commentator, or the one who gave the explanation of al-Aqidah al the famous commentator, Ibn Abdul Iz, rahimahullah, that he has mentioned in his explanation of this book, Al-Aqidah al um, after mentioning this statement, he mentioned some of the opinions of the people who deviated from the Qur'an and Sunnah and the correct understanding, and he mentioned that the opinions on this topic of the Qur'an being the speech of Allah are many. He mentions here nine opinions. But much of it is philosophical speech that's difficult even to follow or understand. No need to confuse ourselves with this, but let us just here go directly to the last opinion. He mentioned the last opinion, which is the correct opinion, so that that would be the thing that will remain with us. He said that the ninth opinion of the people is that Allah, the Most High, continues to speak. Yeah, I mean, He spoke and he continues to speak if he wills and whenever he wills and however he wills yani Allah speaks إِذَا شَاءَ وَمَتَى شَاءَ وَكَيْفَ شَاءَ if he wills to speak he speaks whenever he wants to speak and however he wants to speak Allah continues to be a speaker يَتَكَلَّمْ he speaks with a voice بِسَوْتٍ يُسْمَعْ with a voice that is heard. Allah's speech is heard. And that this speech, yani speech as a characteristic of Allah is ancient from the beginning. And it has no beginning we can say. Uh, 
And this is the opinion that has been transmitted from the Imams of Hadith and the people of Sunnah. Then he says, the statement of Imam al-Sahawi, Kalamullah minhu bada bila kawlan, that the speech of Allah, it came from him as real speech without saying how. This statement is a refutation of the Mu'tazila and others besides them, but particularly the Mu'tazila because they claimed that the Qur'an did not come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They said it didn't come from Allah. Yani that speech didn't come forth from Allah. Allah doesn't speak and then it's heard. So here, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi wants to refute them. He said, Kalamullah minhu bada. That it came directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then uh, Shaykh Al-Bani mentions Shaykh Muhammad ibn Mani' who was one of the great scholars of our contemporary time from uh, this area who was originally from the Arabian Peninsula and he spent a lot of many years here in this country Qafa and taught the people here Shaykh al-Bani quotes the statement of Muhammad ibn Mani' rahimahullah that he said that the Qur'an al-Azim al-Qur'an al-Azim this great Qur'an is the speech of Allah lafzuhu wa ma'anihi its expression and its meanings. Not only the meaning is from Allah, but the expression itself, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no one should say, Allah dun al-ma'ana. As some of the uh, deviant people like the Mu'tazila said, nor should they say, Al-ma'ana dun al-love. We should not separate the expression, the expression of the words of Allah from the meaning. Yani saying that the expression is from Allah but not the meaning or the meaning is from Allah and not the expression but the expression, the expression of the Qur'an yani the speaking of the Qur'an as well as its meaning is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then he says the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah they said and they believe that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah munazzal ghayr makhluk that it is descended from Allah and it is not created al-fadhu wa ma'anihi Ain kalam Allah that the expressions and as well as the meanings they are exactly the speech of Allah that Jibreel heard this speech from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the angel Jibreel heard the speech of Allah he heard it and the Prophet sallallahu heard it heard the speech of Allah from Jibreel and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in they heard the speech of Allah from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam فَهُوَ الْمَكْتُوبِ بِالْمَصَاحِفِ وَالْمَحْفُوظِ بِالصُّدُورِ وَالْمَتْلُوبِ بِالْأَلْسِنَةِ That is the Qur'an, it is that which is maktub بِالْمَصَاحِفِ It is that which is written in the masahif, the books. This is the Qur'an, it is the speech of Allah. And it is also the mahfuz بِالصُّدُورِ That which is memorized in the hearts of the human beings who memorized the Qur'an, that which they have memorized is the speech of Allah, and that which is recited, also it is the speech of Allah. We don't make any distinction between that which is written, that which is memorized, that which is recited, it is all the speech of Allah, there is no difference between any of it. We don't say that which is in the Mus'haf, that Mus'haf is a book, it's created, that's not the speech of Allah. No. 
We say that which is written, it is the speech of Allah. That which is recited, it is the speech of Allah. That which is memorized, it is the speech of Allah. Then he said, um, something similar to this, um, that um, as some of the some of the people said that that which is heard and that which descended and that which is read and that which is written is not the speech of Allah but it is يعني, an ibarah or an expression يعني, something يعني, that expresses the speech of Allah but it's not itself the speech of Allah but we said no that it is in fact as Imam Al-Tahawi said and the scholars of Islam said that it is the speech of Allah in all of its forms he said that it is the speech of Allah and from him it came this is what the scholars of the early generations of the Muslims said that it came from him and it returned to him and when they said it came from him they said this in order to refute the Jahmiyyah from the Mu'tazila yani those people who claimed that the speech of Allah yani that it didn't come from him this was a refutation of them here this is the speech of I mean this is the saying of Ibn Abdul Iz in his explanation he is saying something similar to what we already expressed uh, saying here that um, that Allah actually spoke with the Quran that it came from him it didn't come from anything in his creation and this is as Allah says in the Quran uh, in Surah Al-Zumr chapter 1 he says Tanzil Al-Kitab Min Allah Al-Aziz Al-Hakim yani the descending or the revelation of the Quran Min Allah it is from Allah Al-Aziz Al-Hakim the wise uh, the mighty and the wise and also the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Sajda chapter uh, I don't know I think 32 verse 13 وَلَكِنْ حَقَّ الْقَوْلْ مِنِّي but it is in fact speech Al-Qawl مِنِّي from me that is Allah is saying it is in fact speech from me and also the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Nahl I think chapter 16 Surah Al-Nahl verse 102 رُوحُ الْقُدُّوسِ مِنْ رَبِّكَ بِالْحَقِّ That is, Allah said to the Prophet ﷺ, say that he descended it, or he sent it down uh, by the Ruh al-Quddus, that is the um, uh, Jibreel, Naam, the Ruh al-Quddus, Holy Spirit or whatever. Naam, I don't know how to translate this word, it's dangerous, Ruh uh, al-Quddus. <laughs> Anyway, it means Jibreel that he sent that he came down with it from your Lord in truth. Yani it came from Min Rabbika from your Lord. And also the meaning of his statement wa ilayhi yaud or the statement of the scholars, they used to say that it came from him and returned to him. Yani that that which is in the heart memorized and that which is written in the Musahif, that all of this would return to Allah and nothing would remain in the heart, not even one ayah, and nothing would remain in the masahif, as that has been mentioned in many of the sayings of the scholars of Islam. And his saying, Bila kayfiyya, that it is, yani, without saying how, it is the speech of Allah. Uh, we don't know how, how is the speech of Allah, but we know that it is real speech, and this word, Ya'ani, here where he said Bila kayfiyya qawlan He said qawlan to affirm that he really means speech And he didn't mean it 
as a figurative expression. But he meant that Allah actually spoke. And he sent it down as revelation on his prophet as and he sent it down as revelation on his prophet. This means that he sent it down on the tongue of the angel. That is the angel Jibril. Uh, that the angel Jibril heard it from Allah. And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu heard it from the angel Jibril. And then the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu read it to the people. As mentioned in Surah Al-Isra, verse 106, Surah Al-Isra, what number is this? 17, 18, 19. I think chapter 17. Surah Al-Isra, verse 106. That uh, this is a Quran, yani that this Quran, we have sent it down so that it will be, yani so that you may read it to the people. We have sent it down in pieces so that you may read it to the people uh, over time. And we have revealed it yani, as revelations. And also, yani that another proof that it is revealed by Allah, He said, نَزَّلَ بِهِ الرُّوحِ الْأَمِينِ That He descended with it, the Ruh Al-Ameen, also referring to Jibreel. عَلَى قَلْبِكَ لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ بِلِسَانَ عَرَبِيِّ مُبِينَ That we have sent it down and put it onto your heart, or uh, put it into your heart, so that you may be one of the warners, and it is in clear Arabic language. So here, uh, he closes, Shaykh al-Bani makes a final statement here, that this is a proof and an affirmation that it was sent down uh, from Allah to the Prophet ﷺ by the angel Jibril, that it was descended, and these ayats mention the tanzil or the nuzul of the Qur'an as revelation. This is a proof and an affirmation of the characteristic of Allah, of al-ulu, al-ulu, highness, that Allah is high. The fact that the Qur'an is sent down is a proof that Allah is above the creatures. Uh, there are some other statements here, but um, concerning the Qur'an as the speech of Allah, some of the scholars, what they said about this, but maybe uh, we can refer, some of it we mentioned before in the lectures uh, of the explanation of Usulu Sunnah. So uh, in the sixth lecture of Usulu Sunnah, we discussed it in more detail, or we mentioned some of, many of the sayings of the scholars. Tonight we didn't mention many of the sayings of the scholars, but uh, we can refer to them from that lecture, previous lecture. Uh, there's one more point that we want to cover tonight, and it is important, so that's why I want to maybe skip some of the sayings of the scholars and go on to this final point. Here, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, وَمَنْ وَصَفَ اللَّهَ بِمَعْنَى مِنْ مَعَانِي الْبَشَرِ فَقَدْ كَفَرْ وَمَنْ أَبْصَرَ هَذَا اعْتَبَرْ وَعَنْ مِثْلِ قَوْلِ الْكُفَّارِ انزجر وَعَلِمَ أَنَّهُ بِصِفَاتِهِ لَيْسَ كَالْبَشَرِ وَمَنْ وَصَفَ اللَّهِ بِمَعْنَى مِنْ مَعَانِيَ الْبَشَرِ فَقَدْ كَفَرْ يعني whoever describes Allah with any characteristic or any of the meanings that are applicable to human beings then that person has committed an act of kufr they have become a kafir whoever describes Allah in any way yani as a being similar to human beings or in any of the characteristics or meanings that are attributed to human beings, then this is kufr. 
whoever understands such whoever understands this will take heed if you understand such then you will take heed to it and you would be far removed and stay away from uh, such speech as the speech of the disbelievers who said or who described Allah in such a way his speech as being human speech or any other characteristic being similar to the characteristics of human beings this is the manner of speech it is the belief and understanding of the disbelievers whoever understands such then they would stay far away from such speech and they would know and they would know for sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in no way like the human beings in any of his characteristics or qualities, his sifat. Uh, here, the Shaykh Muhammad al qumis says in explanation, in brief explanation of this point, and it is a very important point, it is one of the great principles uh, in the study of Tawheed, specifically the aspect of Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat this is a very important principle not to describe Allah in any way that is similar or resembling the characteristics or qualities of human beings or anything of his creation he says any time or in any case where someone describes Allah the most high with any of the characteristics or any meaning that is applicable to human beings then that person has compared Allah to his creation in his names and in his characteristics whoever does such and he compares Allah to his creation in his names and that Allah's names are similar to the names of human beings or the meaning of those names is similar to the uh, names of human beings or his characteristics are similar to the characteristics of human beings or the how of the way that Allah does anything is similar to how human beings do something then that person has disbelieved in Allah the mighty the supreme who said that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Laysa that nothing is like him or similar to him and he is the hearing the seeing and he's the one who has perfect hearing and perfect Seeing. And this is mentioned in Surah Tushura, verse 11. Surah Tushura, I think, is chapter number 42. Uh, so Allah has made clear in this ayat, and this basic principle is established here, that nothing is similar to Allah, and Allah is not similar or like anything in His creation. So if the human being sees this, and understands it, and comprehends this point, then he should take heed to such... And that person understands what they are saying or doing is kufr and they persist in it. And even then, that such declaration should be the right of the scholars and not of every individual. But here the takfir is made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the one who said, whoever compares him to anything in his creation, then that person has become a disbeliever. So we should avoid such if we understand this point. No doubt the one who understands this would avoid saying such a thing 
repeating the sayings of the disbelievers whom Allah has judged uh, to be disbelievers and whom Allah has threatened with the hellfire. And also we would know if we understand this that Allah the Most High that His characteristics or qualities, His sifat and the how of them, the kayfiyya how are His characteristics, how do we explain it and the reality of them, the reality of His characteristics that this is something لَيْسَكَ الْبَشْرَ أَبَدًا the how of His characteristics and the reality of His characteristics and the meaning of His characteristics are in no way similar to human beings now here uh, let me just mention and perhaps inshallah uh, next week or during the week I will try to uh, prepare this statement here which is a very brief statement concerning some fundamental points here we mentioned that no one should compare Allah to anyone or anything in his creation and this comes under one of the fundamental basic principles of the Tawheed of Al-Asma wa Sifat this aspect of the Tawheed deals with the acknowledgement that Allah the Most High is alone and unique in his names and characteristics which no one resembles him in those names and characteristics this acknowledgement and testimony can only be completed and perfected yani the acknowledgement or the testimony to the fact that Allah is unique and alone in his names and characteristics can only be completed and perfected by the confirmation of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed for himself and what his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has confirmed for him of the names and characteristics as well as their meanings and judgments which has been narrated in the Quran and authentic Sunnah. Yani to affirm for Allah His names and characteristics, the way we are required to affirm it requires that we must confirm and affirm every name and every characteristic that Allah has affirmed for Himself. And that the Prophet has confirmed for Him. We must affirm. That's the first thing. But that's not sufficient. First, we, but there are those who deny some of Allah's names or some of His characteristics according to their own understanding or interpretation. The first thing is to affirm whatever Allah has affirmed for Himself and what the Prophet who is the most knowledgeable of all creatures he is the most knowledgeable of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever Allah has affirmed for Himself and whatever the Prophet has affirmed for Him. All of the above must be yani this confirmation of all of the names and characteristics of Allah uh, must be without denial or negation of anything of his names and characteristics and without ta'atil which means non-affirmation of the characteristics and names of Allah the Most High which are found in the Quran and Sunnah ta'atil yani this is a expression that's used in the Arabic language by the scholars of Islam ta'atil they mean the people who make ta'atil the mu'attila are the people who they affirm the names of Allah but they negate the meaning of those names so in fact they negate them yani they say that Allah is al-basir but he doesn't see this is ta'atil to say he, he is al-basir he is al-samir but without basr, without sam'a without hearing and seeing this is ta'atil 
to empty that name of its meaning. So it is in fact negation. Affirmation without this type of negation. Yani they affirmed and then they negated at the same time. Al-Mu'attila, the people of Ta'atil say, Verily, confirmation of the characteristics or the sifat of Allah the Most High makes necessary comparison between Allah and the Creator. Between Allah the Creator and His created beings. That is, if we affirm these characteristics for Allah that Allah sees, then that means we will have to say that Allah is like human beings or like His creatures because His creatures also see. They said to affirm these characteristics mean we have to compare Allah to His creatures. And we cannot compare Allah to His creatures, so we don't affirm them. But their saying is erroneous. Allah's characteristics remain affirmed and confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah, and this is based on the saying of Allah the Most High in Surah Shura, verse 11, that nothing is like Him. And He negates anything being like Him. At the same time, He affirms that He does in fact and he have the characteristic of hearing and seeing. Also, this confirmation is without tahrif. And we should confirm these names and characteristics for Allah without making tahrif. Harrafa. Yuharrifu. Tahrif. We should not make tahrif, which means changing, alteration, perversion, or corruption of the meanings, or even phonetic corruption of the word to alter or distort the true meaning like the saying of the Jews yani the Jews distorted the Torah thereby earning the wrath of Allah the Most High yani they actually changed the words in the Torah but not only by changing the words even by changing the meaning by distorting the meaning this is tahrif to change the real meaning of the word to another meaning so we must affirm Allah's names also without making any distortion of the meanings or distorting the actual words themselves the following has been explained by Imam Ibn Taymiyyah in reference to tahrif. As for the corrupted, blameworthy interpretations, it is the interpretations of the people of tahrif and innovation who interpret and explain by other than its true interpretation and redirect expressions from their correct interpretations without evidence justifying their manner of interpretation. Yani without any evidence, if there is some proof that a particular word which generally has a certain meaning but there's other proofs showing that the meaning is something else that's different but they give new meanings or distorted meanings to words which they have no proof for changing their meanings this is the tahrif that is blameworthy and it is the tahrif of the people of Bidah an example of this is the tahrif in their saying istawla in place of the word istawa in the saying of Allah the Most High in Surah Taha verse 5 uh, they said instead of istawa, they changed the word itself to istawla. And istawa is different from istawla. They changed. They said that here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says yani, that the, the beneficent ar-Rahman istawa uh, al arsh that he rose above his throne yani, in a manner that's suitable to his majesty and his glory and his greatness. They said istawla means the taking of a thing which was not yours by right. Yani Allah istawla ala al-arsh, He took over or conquered the arsh. This is not appropriate to be applied to Allah. Allah is the owner of everything. He is the creator. How can He take over something that He has no right to? While the correct way is to understand the word istawa in its reality and istawa appropriate to the greatness of Allah who is free from any attribution of defect or blameworthy characteristic. They explained istawa to mean istawla. And istawa doesn't mean istawla. Istawa means to rise above. 
or to be high above. This confirmation of Allah's names and characteristics also must be without tamthil, which we already discussed. We already discussed tamthil, that means making a likeness for Allah with the created beings. Tamthil, mathala yumathilu, tamthil means to make a mithal, something is similar to something. To compare, to make an example of Allah to something in the creation. This tamthil, which is similar to tashbih, to make tashbih, compare from the word shabbaha yushabbihu tashbih. Tashbih and tamthil is similar, similar, but not exactly the same. Both of these have to be yani, avoided. When we affirm for Allah's names and characteristics, we should not make tamthil. We should not make an example of Allah's characteristics to something in the creation. Nor should we make tashbih, compare Allah's characteristics to anything in the creation. This comparison between Allah and His creatures is not permissible because nothing and no one in creation resembles Allah the Most High. While He possesses the perfection of all qualities and characteristics of good, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He has no imperfection or defect or evil. Finally, this affirmation of Allah's names and characteristics should also be without takyif. From kayyifa yukayyifu takyif. You say kayfa haluk, how are you? This word is from the same root. Takyif. To explain how. The how of something or to ask. How is it? How does Allah ascend above His throne? How does Allah descend from His throne in the last third of the night? How? This also should be avoided. The confirmation of Allah's names and characteristics should be without taqyif, attempting to explain the how of it, or asking how of it. This is clarified in the statement of Al-Imam Malik, rahimahullah, when he was asked about yani, the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Taha, verse 5, Ar-Rahman that Allah, the, the Ar-Rahman, the Beneficent, that He ascended above His throne, uh, He responded, when He was asked, how does Allah Ascend above his throne. How is this istiwa? Al Imam Malik rahimahullah. He said that Al istiwa ma'loom. Wal kayf majhool. Was su'al anhu bid'ah. Wal iman bihi wajib. And this has become a principle for the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. This statement of Imam Malik is applicable to all of the characteristics of Allah. Yani, Al istiwa ma'loom. That means that Allah's Ascending above his throne is ma'loom, is well known in Arabic language. It is known. What is istawa? We know what this word means in Arabic language. It is ma'loom. Al-kayf, the how of it, is majhool. It's not known. We don't know how. We know that he ascended and we know what ascension means. But how does Allah himself ascend? His, his ascending is different than ascending of human beings. Because Allah is different from the human beings. So the how of it is unknown. Was-su'al anhu bid'ah. And asking how Allah ascends, or how Allah descends, or how Allah speaks, or anything else. It's applicable to all of Allah's characteristics. This is innovation, to ask the how of it. iman bihi wajib. But to believe in it is obligatory. This is a principle for the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, that uh, affirmation of these characteristics for Allah, يعني, and these things that Allah has affirmed for Himself in the Quran and the Prophet ﷺ affirmed for Him in authentic Sunnah is well known in Arabic language. The how of it is unknown. Asking about it is innovation, is bid'ah. We shouldn't do such. The Sahaba, they didn't ask about it. The Tabi'een didn't ask about it. How are we now to come after them and ask about it and to believe in it though? Yani, to believe in what Allah has affirmed for Himself and what the Prophet ﷺ has affirmed for Him is obligatory. 
In addition to the above, it is incumbent on the Muslim to refute, to reject, and to deny all that Allah has denied about himself, or what his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa has denied about him, of any type of deficiency or defectiveness, and everything that contradicts or is in contradiction to his perfection, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surely Allah is alone and unique in his beautiful names and his lofty or high characteristics. This is a summary of one of the basic principles of Al-Asma wa Sifat. And the principles of Asma wa Sifat are many. These principles are important to understand so that we don't fall into the deviation that the people before us fell into. The first of these principles which we have discussed tonight is affirmation. And this came because of the mention of Imam Al-Tahawi of not comparing Allah's speech to the speech of human beings. So this falls under the uh, principle of affirmation, it's bad. It's bad to affirm for Allah what He has affirmed for Himself, but that affirmation has to be without making any comparison between Allah and anything else, without changing the meaning, without uh, describing the how or asking how, and without affirming it while emptying it from its real meaning. These things have to be taken into consideration. Inshallah, this summary will be prepared and given to you so that you may examine it and perhaps there may be some questions about it. We will stop here uh, and perhaps at another time we will mention some of the other basic principles of Al-Asma wa Sifat. Uh, there are many and there are some basic fundamental ones that we should all know about. Uh, and, and I won't go into them in detail now, there is no time. But I will just say that from amongst them is that the names of Allah and His characteristics are Tawqifiyah. That means we cannot affirm for in anything except that which is found in the Quran and Sunnah. And all of Allah's names and characteristics are husna. That means all of them are good names and characteristics. And to the perfect degree of goodness. Uh, and there are many other principles, inshallah, we'll discuss them at another time. If there are any comments now about what we discussed tonight concerning the speech of Allah, the Quran being the speech of Allah, and this idea, uh, this principle of asma wa sifat, of affirmation for Allah, what He has affirmed for Himself, or what the Prophet ﷺ has affirmed for Him, then you may make your comments now in the last few moments before the Adhan or ask your questions or make any corrections. Naam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. We can give a chance for the sisters if they have any questions to send to us. We have about two minutes maybe before the Adhan. If there are any questions or any comments or any corrections. Do the brothers have any comments? Or any corrections? Okay, then let us just uh, keep in mind that uh, this topic here that we have discussed briefly tonight concerning the Qur'an being the speech of Allah and the point of affirmation of what Allah has affirmed for Himself here, the speech of Allah, and that's applicable to all of His characteristics and His names. Uh, this is um, a very important aspect um, of Tawheed, it is the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, the names of Allah and His characteristics, and it is something that is little known amongst the Muslims. Most of the Muslims know something about Tawheed al rububiyyah the Lordship of Allah, that He is the Creator and the Owner and the Provider and the Protector and the One who gives life and death and He rules the universe and so on. And the matters of Al-Qadr Al-Qadr to some extent which is part of Tawheed al rububiyyah And even the pagan disbelievers knew about this and affirmed it. As for a Tawheed Al-Uluhiyah, this is also well known to the Muslims, but unfortunately it is the aspect of a Tawheed Al-Uluhiyah, the Tawheed of worship, Al-Ubudiyah, Al-Ibadah. It is the aspect of Tawheed that the pagans were blamed for 
and even the Muslims have fallen into to a great extent almost every place in the Muslim world even this Tawheed of Uluhiyah or Ubudiyah is known to some extent amongst the Muslims that we shouldn't offer worship to anything other than Allah whether it is supplication, sacrifice, vows, hope, love, whatever not only prayers and fasting and pilgrimage but all of these things, obedience and such this, these are all acts of worship and they should only be offered to Allah alone this comes under Tawheed, Al-Ubudiyah or Uluhiyah and even this is somewhat known to the Muslims but the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat is almost unknown to the Muslims and its principles we can say have almost been lost to the Muslims so it is important that we know something about this and inshallah we will uh, study some of these principles and we will discuss them as yani, the opportunity arises during the explanation of Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah and uh, perhaps even we may have some independent lectures concerning Tawheed Al-Asma wa Sifat are there any questions before we go for prayer? Naam. Naam. Hadith Qudsi. Is it direct revelation or a conversation? Well, yani, most of the scholars in their definition of the Hadith Qudsi distinguished Hadith Qudsi from Hadith Nabawi uh, by a number of distinctions but the most important distinction that there is difference of opinion about which we should note here uh, is that many of the scholars said the Hadith Qudsi is the words, expressions of the Prophet and the meaning is from Allah this is very important point here because they wanted to distinguish the Hadith Qudsi from the Quran and the Hadith Qudsi from Hadith Nabawi so they said the Quran is the expression and meaning from Allah expression and meaning from Allah in order to distinguish the Qur'an from Hadith Qudsi, they said then the Hadith Qudsi meaning is from Allah but expression from the Prophet In that case, what is the Hadith Nabawi? Is it expression is from the Prophet No doubt, but its meaning is from where? It's from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Allah says in the Qur'an وَمَا يَنْتِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحِيُّهَا the Qur'an and the Sunnah is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the difference between the Qur'an and the Sunnah is there are many differences but one of the main differences is that the meaning although it is revelation from Allah it is the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but it is expressed in the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as for the Hadith Qudsi the most correct meaning or distinction or definition of Hadith Qudsi is that it is speech, its expression as well as its meaning is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just as the Quran except that Hadith Qudsi is not, it is not يعني, reported mutawatir by numerous innumerable chains as the Quran is and it is not uh, considered as ibadah 
to recite Hadith Qudsi as recitation of the Quran is Ibadah. And the Hadith Qudsi is not recited in, you cannot recite it as yani, recitation in Salat as the Quran is recited in Salat. And also the rules pertaining to the Quran and the handling of the Quran, uh, Tahara and such things is not applicable to Hadith Qudsi. And there are other differences that the scholars mention too. But the most important thing here is what I mentioned, I just want to emphasize it, then you may comment that the correct opinion, and Allah knows best, is that Hadith Qudsi, its meaning and its expression is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it was not to be written as part of the Qur'an, to be recited as an act of ibadah, to be recited in salat, and, uh, and to be preserved in the way that Allah promised to preserve the Qur'an. Yani, the Qur'an cannot be lost, nor can it be corrupted or changed in any way. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. As for the hadith, Allah has preserved it in general. The hadith is preserved, but perhaps some reports might have been lost, while the instructions may have been retained through other reports or other meanings. Now, hadith Qudsi? Uh, the Hadith Qudsi, its, authentic, its authenticity is proven in the same way that other Hadith authenticity is proven by Asanid, by Isnad, by chains of narrators. Chains of narrators. And for this reason, there's Hadith Qudsi. Yani Hadith Qudsi, and I didn't mention this somehow. <laughs> Allah Subhanallah, Allah is the one who is perfect. Uh, hadith Qudsi is... Uh, there are hadith qudsi which are authentic and those which are not authentic. Yani sahih and da'if. Even mawdu'a fabricated hadith qudsi. There are many, most of the hadith qudsi that you find in the books are not authentic. Yani the overwhelming literature of hadith qudsi is not authentic. Uh, so it is confirmed, the hadith qudsi is confirmed in the same way that other hadith is confirmed by its uh, isnad by the isnad the chain of narrators there's something else concerning this I don't recall now any other comment have, have they made the adhan? no uh, uh, yeah. Naam, the, the Quran is the speech of Allah and it should be respected. And for this reason you find in some places, I know at the university in Medina, they used to have a special place, containers, in every housing unit. That anyone who has a book or magazine or newspaper or anything concerning ayats from the Quran, if they want to dispose of it, they should put it in this container, not in the trash can. And then it will be disposed of يعني, properly. Not to uh, throw it in the trash like normal يعني, papers or books or magazines. So, يعني, if you can. Uh, but I think here I haven't seen uh, any such uh, service for the, those who want to. This is the opinion of many of the scholars that it is proper to burn it, not just to uh, throw it in the street or in the trash. I think the idea of sending Quran to some Christian countries by millions of people, 
unless uh, there is an introduction, no. So the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the carrying the Qur'an to the land of the disbelievers. And some of the scholars said that this is in reference to... Hmm, this is in reference to uh, the situation or the case in which a person who travels to the land of the disbelievers who expects or fears that perhaps uh, the disbelievers may overcome him and take the Qur'an and disrespect it. But otherwise, if there is no fear of it being disrespected or any, anything being done, uh, then uh, inshallah there is no harm to send it. But of course it shouldn't just be sent yani, uh, without consideration of who it's going to and whose hands it will fall into and so on. And for this reason some people uh, said that the translation of the meaning of the Qur'an should be separated from the text, the Arabic text of the Qur'an when it is being distributed yani for distribution amongst the people in general especially for da'wah to non-Muslims because we don't know what they will do with the Qur'an and Allah knows best uh, okay this is not a question so there's nothing left the reminder that we must go subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk بسم الله الرحمن